This is section 60 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dinner Speech Fellow Craft Club Dinner, New York, November 15, 1889. Read by John Greenman. Note Twain was introduced as Mr. Samuel Langhorne to the surprise and eventual satisfaction to the audience who didn't know who Mr. Langhorne was. I am Langhorne. That is my middle name. I am the inventor of the scheme which has been mentioned, and I think it is a good one, and likely to be of great benefit to the world. Still, this hope may be disappointed, and therefore I can't afford to use my real name, lest in trying to acquire a new and possibly valuable reputation I destroy the valuable one which I already possess, and yet fail to replace it with a new one. I propose to take classes and teach under this apparently fictitious name. I wish to describe my scheme to you and prove its value by illustration. The scheme is founded upon a certain fact, a fact which long experience has convinced me is a fact, and not a fiction of my imagination. That fact is this. Those speakers who are called upon at a banquet, after the regular toasts have been responded to, are generally merely called upon by name and requested to get up and talk. That is all no text is furnished them and they are in a difficult situation apparently but only apparently the situation is not difficult at all in fact for they are usually men who know that they may be possibly called upon therefore they go to the banquet prepared after a certain fashion the speeches which these volunteers make are all of a pattern. They consist of three first-rate anecdotes, first water jewels, so to speak, set in the midst of a lot of rambling and incoherent talk, where they flash and sparkle and delight the house. The speech is made solely for the sake of the anecdotes, whereas they shamelessly pretend that the anecdotes are introduced upon sudden inspiration to illustrate the reasonings advanced in the speech. There are no reasonings in the speech. The speech wanders along in a random and purposeless way for a while. Then, all of a sudden, the speaker breaks out as with an unforeseen and happy inspiration and says how felicitously what i have just been saying is illustrated in the case of the man who then he explodes his first anecdote it's a good one so good that a storm of delighted laughter sweeps the house and so disturbs its mental balance for the moment that it fails to notice that the anecdote didn't illustrate what the man had been saying, didn't illustrate anything at all, indeed, but 
was dragged in by the scruff of the neck and had no relation to the subject which the speaker was pretending to talk about he doesn't allow the laughter to entirely subside before he is off and hammering away at his speech again he doesn't wait because that would be dangerous it would give the house time to reflect then it would see that the anecdote did not illustrate anything he goes flitting airily along in his speech in the same random way as before and presently has another of those inspirations and breaks out again with his how felicitously what i have just been saying is illustrated in the case of the man who then he lets fly his second anecdote and again the house goes down with a crash before it can recover its senses he is away again and cantering gaily toward the home stretch filling the air with a stream of empty words that have no connection with anything and finally he has his third inspiration introduced with the same set form how felicitously what i have just been saying is illustrated in the case of the man who then he lets fly his last and best anecdote and sits down under tempests and earthquakes of laughter and everybody in his neighborhood seizes his hand and shakes it cordially and tells him it was a splendid speech splendid that is my scheme i hope to get classes i shall charge a high rate because the pupil will need but one lesson by grace of a single lesson i will make it possible for the novice who has never faced an audience in his life to rise to his feet upon call without trepidation or embarrassment and make an impromptu speech upon any subject that can be mentioned without preparation of any kind and also without even any knowledge of the subjects which may be chosen for him he shall always be ready for he shall always have his three anecdotes in his pocket written on a card and thus equipped he shall never fail i beg you to give me a text and let me prove what i have been saying any text any subject will do all subjects are alike under my system give me a text after noisy discussion it was proposed that every man write a subject on a slip of paper and drop it in a hat the hat was passed up to the chairman who drew out a slip on which the topic was portrait painting it is a good enough text i want no better i've already told you that all texts are alike under this noble system all that i need to do now is to talk a straight and uninterrupted stream of irrelevancies which shall ostensibly deal learnedly and instructively with the subject of portrait painting the stream must not break anywhere i must never hesitate for a word because under this scheme the orator that hesitates is lost it can give the house a chance to collect its reasoning faculties and that is a thing which 
must not happen portrait painting that's a good subject for a speech a very good subject indeed portrait painting is an ancient and honorable art and there are many interesting things to say about it yes it's an ancient and honorable art although i don't really know how ancient it is i never heard that adam ever sat for his portrait but maybe he did maybe he did but i don't know and how felicitously what i have just been saying is illustrated in the case of the man who reached home at two o'clock in the morning and his wife said plaintively oh john when you've had whiskey enough why don't you ask for sarsaparilla and he said why maria when i have had whiskey enough i can't say sarsaparilla maybe there never was a portrait of adam even if painting is an ancient and honorable art it may not be as ancient as all that and i don't think i ever saw a portrait of any of those old hebrews or of the greeks either but the romans did have portraits carved mostly not painted i've never seen a painted portrait of julius caesar but i can recall more than one statue and how felicitously what i have just been saying is illustrated in the case of the man who arrived at his home at that unusual unfortunate hour in the super early morning and stood there and watched his portico rising and sinking and swaying and reeling and at last when it swung round into his neighborhood he made a plunge and scrambled up the steps and got safely on to the portico stood there watching his dim house rise and fall and swing and sway until the front door came his way and he made a plunge and got it and scrambled up the long flight of stairs but at the topmost step instead of planting his foot upon it he only caught it with his toe and down he tumbled and rolled and thundered all the way down the stairs fetched up in a sitting posture on the bottom step with his arm braced around the friendly newel post and said god pity the poor sailors out at sea on such a night as this but when we come down a little later we do find portraits in rome portraits of the old popes and in germany we find portraits of their opponents calvin and luther there's a portrait of luther in one of those galleries that lingers in my mind as one of the most masterly revelations of character that i ever saw and speaking of luther there was a man in hartford who had a cat called luther third anecdote unreported and that's all i know about portrait painting at least it's all i have time to tell you this evening it is an ancient and honorable art and i'm very glad indeed that you have given me the opportunity of talking to you about it
End of Dinner Speech Read by John Greenman